0: Welcome to the Bloomberg PL Podcast. I'm Paul Sweeney, along with my co-host, Lisa Abramowitz.
1: Each day, we bring you the most noteworthy and useful interviews for you and your money, whether you're at the grocery store or the trading floor.
0: Find a Bloomberg PL Podcast on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts, as well as at Bloomberg.com. Well, as we parse through the economic data, what's become clear to most market participants, I believe, is that the manufacturing the business investment that remains uh, a area of caution we're seeing some contraction in manufacturing but the consumer the consumer is still there driving this economy forward to get the latest uh, we turn to our good friend neil Dutta, renaissance macro head of u.s economic research neil thanks so much for joining us so give us your view of the economy is the consumer enough to continue to drive this economy forward um i mean i think i think so uh
2: you know we have uh, I think the you know baseline is for for decent consumer spending growth uh, over the next um, couple of quarters. I mean, we have relatively benign inflation and um, and labor incomes are rising at a at a modest rate. I mean, you have slower jobs growth, but wages are are okay and um, and the work week is basically flat. So if you look at jobs hours and earnings, that's growing at about four and a half percent with um, with price inflation below two. Uh, and at the same time, so in other words, the household's budget constraint still expanding and, and at the same time, you know, you've had a pretty sharp increase in, um, mortgage refinancing. So, uh, you know, that's freeing up household cash flow. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, I think that consumers are doing okay. Um, and at the same time, you know, it's true that investment spending has been weak, uh, but it's also true that housing has picked up, inventories are lean, so, um, you know i think between consumer spending and housing i mean that that should offset the weakness we're seeing in in the factory sector and investment but uh you know that doesn't necessarily mean that investment's going to be weak next year i mean you've seen a pretty notable loosening in financial conditions um you know potentially global growth is sort of bottoming it out bottoming out here so you know the drivers of weakness for investment this year um probably won't be with us next year. I mean, it's not just the global economy. Remember two thirds of the weakness in, uh, in CapEx, uh, in the third quarter was, uh, aircraft equipment and mining structures. And, uh, you know, if global growth is doing better, that should mean that oil prices reflate a little bit. And, uh, that should, you know, put some of the juice back into things like oil rigs and, and the like mining structures. And, um,
1: So you think that even industrials are going to get some lift uh, here in the near future?
2: Well, I don't think that, Lisa. Look at the market.
1: I know. That's why I'm saying, but you're saying that, you know, they might end up uh, getting a little bit uh, of support uh, from that. Yeah,
2: I I mean, look, I mean, this is the thing. I mean, the only thing that matters right now is whether you believe, I think for macro, is if you believe price leads data, right? You either believe price leads data or it doesn't. And if price leads data, that means that the economy is going to look a little bit better next year. You know, I mean, listening to the bears kind of trip over themselves, you know, the stock market's whistling past the graveyard. I mean, this is like cognitive dissonance on stilts.
1: Well, that's changing, so- though, but that's actually shifting. And I'm wondering, at what point has that shifted to such a degree that it's not, you know, people are just basically gloom and doom, and they have been since the financial crisis, and OK, they're acknowledging the strength, and perhaps the prices accurately reflect the strength that we're seeing in the economy.
2: Yeah, I'm not sure we're there yet. I mean, I still think that, I mean, if you look at most, um, you know, sort of measures of market sentiment, I mean, it doesn't look like there's a big euphoria right now for equities still um, across a range of different sentiment metrics. Um, You know, the one that I look at is the conference board survey. I mean, you still have... um, you know, more consumers being surveyed uh, that say they think stock prices are going to fall in the next six months than rise. I mean, historically, that's been a, a sort of useful kind of contrarian type indicator. But basically, it means that, um, you know, uh, consumers aren't really that bulled up uh, on equities. And if consumers... Um, you know aren't aren't bulled up um, you know that could mean that there's still some room for equities to keep going up. It's usually when when, when retail investors are bulled up on equities when it's time when it's time to get cautious and we're not really there yet.
0: Neil, do you have a recession in your forecast? No seems like, how about the, you know, one of the arguments, or maybe one of the, uh, yeah I guess the arguments that we hear from time to time from economists is that, you know, you better settle in for a lower for longer, i.e. lower GDP growth for longer. Uh, The days of 3% plus are over for the foreseeable future. Is that something that you ascribe to?
2: Yeah, I think that's probably more, that's closer to the mark. I mean, I do think that next year, you could see a, a sort of, a modest inflection in growth higher, right? So a lot of the drags on GDP growth this year probably fade off a little bit, right? So, you, you know, you've seen some manufacturing weakness. Maybe you don't get as much manufacturing weakness next year. The housing market kind of follows through into consumer spending on durable goods. Uh, you get a little bit of inventory restocking, right? So, um, yeah, I mean, I think that that's sort of good for maybe two and a quarter or two and a half percent growth. But, uh, you know, I generally agree that, uh you know, this sort of rapid, you know, kind of leg higher in growth is, is unlikely, absent some kind of pickup in productivity, which we haven't really seen yet. So, so uh, yeah,
1: what, but what, that's good enough for
2: equities, right? I mean, you know, for what, what matters for markets, right? I mean, the, the economic outlook is only, the call. I mean, it's only useful in so far as it as it's combined with a market call, and um, and you know, the environment uh, that I just described, I think, is still you know, one where um, you know, equity prices grind higher.
1: I guess I'm trying to square the idea that we're about to reaccelerate accelerate with the idea that the Federal Reserve just cut rates again. How does that make sense? Well,
2: isn't that what always happens? They cut rates and the economy picks up.
1: Well, hold on a second. You think that the economy is picking up because they cut rates? No. I mean, I, honestly, that's ridiculous to think that the, that the like credit conditions were too tight and that that was sort of what was holding things back. I mean,
2: right? the refi I just did, Lisa, disagrees. Really? You know, did yeah. you you
1: just refi your uh, your did. mortgage? I did. Okay. Yes, okay. I did. But here's so, my and, question. And, and
2: and just multiply that, I mean, okay. it's up 150% over the last year. So you're telling me the Fed isn't pushing on a string, okay, but, They're pushing but, on a stick. But
1: they're pushing on a stick. But Neil, with the money that you saved from the refi and your annual and your monthly payments to your mortgage, are you using that money to go out and buy sweaters and hats and and skis and things?
2: Uh well yeah i mean i'm, I'm, I'm I, mean, I i mean it is christmas no but i I just, I just think that look i mean, I think it's sort of um it's it, to me it's a it's a bit misplaced to say that it's not having an effect right I mean you've seen refinancings obviously pick up uh that's freeing up household cash flow. we know that uh home sales are also up right, so um, you know, the, and, uh, you know, we had a little bit of sluggishness recently, I think, because of the GM strike and what's that, what, what that's doing to inventory. But, you know, if you told someone this time last year that auto sales would generally be running close to 17 million SAR for the last five or six months, you probably, I mean, I know if I made that argument, clients would have left me out of the room, but that's exactly what's happened, right? Yeah. So you have had some follow through into rate sensitive spending. Yeah. I mean, so, yeah. And, uh, you know, when Powell says, It's the uh, market-implied path uh, of lower rates, and that's what's kept the economy up. I think there's some support for that.
1: Neil Dutta, thank you so much. Uh, Good luck with the sweater purchases and the ski purchases. Uh, Happy holidays, and congratulations on refining your mortgage. Neil Dutta, Renaissance Macro, Head of U.S. Economic Research.
0: Looking at the SP this year, up almost 23%. Yes, we had a, a bad, bad, bad fourth quarter, as we all can refer to, but what a turnaround here in 2019. To get a sense of maybe where there might be some legs left in this market, return to Sam Stovall, Chief Investment Strategist for CFRA. Sam, thanks so much for joining us. You know, a lot of folks are stepping back and saying, you know, year over year, it's not obviously as, as big a, a ramp, but boy, a 23% moving the SP in 2019. What do I do now? What do you you say to those people?
3: Well, first off, the market pretty much told us that we were going to get this kind of a return. We were up in both January and February, and the 28 times since World War II that both months were positive, we ended up posting a full-year total return that averaged 24%. So, in a sense, the market said, see, I told you, we did have a challenging May through October period, but we're now back in the seasonally optimistic period, November, December, when the market gains an average of Almost 3%, and we tend to see a gravitation away from the defensive sectors and toward the more cyclical groups.
1: Sam, it's been quite a volatile year when it comes to the narrative that is directing markets. For a while, it was uh, the trade war will eventually resolve itself, it will be fine. Then people saying that just the uncertainty uh, that has gone on for so long is impeding business plans and is going to impede growth and has impeded growth. And now we seem to be back to a place where there will be some trade truce and the economy will reaccelerate. What happened to the one that we the narrative that we just left behind uh, that there already has been damage done that could potentially deepen without some sort of resolution that's significant?
3: Well, Lisa, I think that the damage has been done, and that's why we started the year thinking we would see about a 5% growth in S&P 500 earnings, but now the expectation is for a 0.7% rise. But I think investors are pretty much dismissing 2019 and saying, you know, it's so late in the year, let's start focusing on 2020. And right now, expectations are for about a 9% gain. And should we end up getting the phase? is one accord, should we start to see a thawing of relations, uh, an improvement in GDP growth, the uh, three interest rate reductions kicking in, I think investors are saying, you know what, maybe we end up with even more than the current estimate of close to
0: 10%. So Sam, given that we are 10 plus years into this economic cycle, and we have had this big move up uh, so far in 2019, what sectors are you favoring versus maybe not favoring so much?
3: Well, solid but sustainable is what I'm uh, describing the economic growth expectations for next year, anywhere from 22 to 2.5% GDP growth for each of the four quarters. Uh, I'm leaning cyclically right now, overweight recommendations on the technology, communication services area. We recently upgraded our outlook on financials and materials and downgraded our outlook for some of the defensive groups, in particular consumer staples and And utilities, utilities right now are trading at about a 35% premium to its average P.E. over the last 20 years.
1: Going forward, what could potentially happen that would make you turn more bearish?
3: Well, uh, I think uh, bull markets don't die of old age. They die of fright. What they're most afraid of is a recession. Every recession since 1960 was preceded by a double-digit decline in housing starts as well as a near-double-digit decline in consumer confidence. I would have to see the consumer basically say, I am very worried about my job. Uh, I am going to be holding back on my spending. Um, And I would then expect to see an earnings recession, two successive quarters of earnings declines, mainly because since World War II, 75% of all earnings recessions have morphed into economic recessions. So I would pretty much have to see a sliding off the cliff of consumer confidence.
0: Sam, uh, it appears that when you look at the futures market that the market's looking for maybe one more rate cut uh, in the next six to nine months. If that is in fact the case, is that enough to support uh, your uh, equities outlook?
3: I think so. Um, History tells us that the market advances a little more than 10% on average six months after the first rate cut, and then an average of more than 14% 12 months later. The dividend yield on the S&P 500 exceeds the yield on the 10-year note. Whenever that has happened since 1953, the market was up an average of 22%. Uh, I'm not expecting that kind of growth, but basically, bonds are not really offering an attractive substitution alternative.
1: So right now, uh, what is the one thing you will not buy? <laughs>
3: uh, I am uh, not a big buyer of bonds, obviously, at this point, because I think um, they are pretty much as low as they're likely to go.
0: And Sam, just on, we just completed this earnings cycle, or we're pretty much done through this earnings cycle. Is there any key takeaway from you coming out of this uh, earnings season here?
3: Well, even though this is likely to be the 31st consecutive quarter in which actual results exceeded end of quarter estimates, what I'm not thrilled with is um, that we basically had been shaving fourth quarter estimates as well as 2020 assumptions. Uh, Only one of the 11 sectors has seen an increase in their 2020 estimates as compared with what the forecast was um, on. September 30th, and only one in three sub-industries saw a ratcheting higher of their 2020 earnings, so I would like to see a turnaround in that before I feel overly confident.
1: Just real quick here, we are getting uh, news. Uber's loss currently has extended to 9%, which means the company's shares have sunk to a record intraday low. Uh, Sam, just just lastly here to wrap it all up, we are seeing a bunch of pain in specific company stories, in particular, uh, the, some unicorns that are disappointing when it comes to profitability. Do you think that that's just specific uh, to, to these stories or endemic of something larger?
3: I don't think it's endemic of something larger. Um, I think that these are embryonic companies that are going to be going through uh, growing pains, if you will. I mean, most of them really just have no earnings whatsoever. And so we're, it's like we're back in the early 2000s with a lot of the web-based companies that were trading on revenue, uh, revenues and earnings assumptions. Um, but So I think a lot of these unicorns right now are just going through the metamorphosis
0: this
1: pain. Sam Stovall, thank you so much for being with us. CFRA Chief Investment
0: Strategist. Thanks for listening to the Bloomberg PL Podcast. You can subscribe and listen to interviews at Apple Podcasts or whatever podcast platform you prefer. I'm Paul Sweeney. I'm on Twitter at PT Sweeney.
1: I'm Lisa Abramowitz. I'm on Twitter at Lisa Abramowitz One. Before the podcast, you can always catch us worldwide on Bloomberg Radio.